Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to Is It Normal, the pregnancy podcast with me, Jessie Ware. We have had so many messages asking to do an episode on this particular symptom that has affected so many of you. So this is a special episode all about pregnancy sickness, extreme pregnancy sickness. You may have heard that Kate Middleton had it throughout her pregnancy, um, and I know so many of you have. And so there's a big discussion that needs to be had about it. We are joined by Dr. Caitlin Dean, who is the chair of the charity Pregnancy Sickness Support and a specialist in hyperemesis gravidarum, which is the term, the official term for extreme pregnancy sickness. Thank you so much for joining us on Is It Normal, Caitlin? Hi, thanks for having me. So can you explain, for people that may not know they're suffering with this, they may think it's uh, what we say in inverted commas, morning sickness, what is hyperemesis gravidarum? Yeah, so um, pregnancy sickness, um, and as it's kind of commonly but inaccurately called morning sickness, because it's rarely limited to the morning, um, it, it is a normal part of pregnancy. Most women will experience some degree of um, nausea and or vomiting during early pregnancy. We all expect it. Um, often, if it's a wanted pregnancy, it's kind of wanted because it's... Um, it's reassuring. Sort of of, yeah, it's reassuring. And it's a bit of a rite of passage. It's, it's part of the whole pregnancy experience that, that you know, if, we, if we're trying to get pregnant, we, we want and we anticipate. Um, but it is on a spectrum. And for around 30 to 35 percent of, of people, it will be um, bad enough to start interfering with their day to day lives, um, making it difficult to eat and drink, difficult to go to work and um, really start getting you down. And for around 1% of pregnant women, it will uh, be so severe that um, it ends up where you need to take medication, you need to go to hospital, you can't keep yourself hydrated um, by drinking enough fluids, you can't eat normally, you start losing a lot of weight. And in very in extreme cases, it can be life threatening. Prior to modern medicine, it was the leading cause of death in early pregnancy. In those days, women died quite a lot in pregnancy related things, but um, certainly in early pregnancy, um, extreme sickness could kill them. Um, So lots of people may be throwing up and uh, getting what, you know, people may refer to as morning sickness, um, but throughout the day. But when would that and pregnancy sickness, morning sickness usually finish? And then when would you know that basically you've got the extreme version of this? Yeah. So uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, We often find on our helpline that that 
people put up with really quite extreme symptoms before they think, hang on a minute, surely this isn't normal. Um, And I therefore would generally suggest to to people, because like I say, you, you do anticipate it and you do expect it. And we are all sort of programmed to be willing to put up with an awful lot of discomfort and unpleasantness in order to produce our children. I mean, if we weren't, you know, the human race wouldn't have survived. Mm. Um, so, so generally I say, if it's worse than what you're expecting, then it probably isn't normal because we mm. expect normal. Um, so if it's starting to interfere with your ability to eat and drink, if it's starting to really get you down, um, it's making it very difficult to go to work or to look after yourself. If you're losing much weight um, and things like that, then, um, you know, that's not normal. That's not what the vast majority of women experience in early pregnancy. The vast majority experience waves, occasional waves of nausea, yeah. not necessarily in the morning, sometimes throughout the day, but they it comes in waves. And when it's not there, it's not there. Whereas with hyperemesis and the more extreme end, the nausea is constant. Um and vomiting, you know, shouldn't be sort of multiple times every day for days on end. Um, the more severe it is, the longer it tends to go on. So if you're if you're sort of one of the lucky ones uh, that has sort of regular symptoms, then um, you can expect them to start between maybe four and six weeks, um, maybe up to eight weeks. Um, it would, like I say, come in waves through the day. You should be able to eat and drink in between waves of nausea. Um, and it should generally resolve around 12 to 14 weeks um but if you're having symptoms that are much worse than that then it may go on longer more to 16 20 24 weeks and with very extreme hypermesis it can go on throughout the entire pregnancy oh my god it's i can't even imagine i mean those first 12 weeks were hard enough and that was with me i think i threw up once okay and that's me you know feeling all the hormones kicking in and feeling really off the idea of vomiting repeatedly throughout the day for nine months is terrifying I think it's terrifying for pregnant people that 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 this this goes on can is there any reason that there's a cause um for it in some people and others not yeah so there's some quite interesting new research um Dr Marlena Faso has really pioneered the genetic research in the USA um and she's identified um a sort of it's it's quite complicated explaining genetic research. And it, if I'm completely honest, it's really not my, my field, but basically she's identified a sort of faulty gene um, called GDF15 um, that occurs in uh, women who get high premises um, and not in those who get sort of more regular pregnancy sickness. We don't entirely know why sickness and nausea is a normal part of, of, of pregnancy. It may be an evolutionary thing. It may be Um, because it comes along with things like a heightened sense of smell so it may be to do with putting us off uh foods that may be dangerous from Mm. days gone by um but certainly women who get um the abnormal condition um it's a genetic um problem basically um and therefore you're likely to get it again and you can potentially pass it on to your to your children um the reason that her research is so particularly exciting is um, because this particular gene and, and, and the protein that causes it that's um, created at the placenta, um, released by the placenta into the mother's bloodstream, um, it's only received in the sort of vomiting center of our brains. Um, and although we couldn't turn off the production of it without obviously interrupting the pregnancy, 
what we can potentially do in the future is turn off the receptors to it in the brain, which would which would equal a sort of cure effectively for the treatment. And the reason that there's research happening around that is because it's the same thing that causes um, a, a condition related to cancer um, called cancer cachexia, which is like an anorexia of cancer. So around 20% of people with cancer will die, not from the cancer itself, but from the sort of anorexia associated with it, where they get nausea, vomiting, muscle wastage. And it's the same cause as this. So this is almost like a cachexia, but of pregnancy. Um, And because it's linked with this cancer condition, there's, there's really quite a lot of money going into trying to fix that. Whereas for the pregnancy condition, there's no money going into trying to fix it. So, so potentially the, the, the cure for the, the cancer thing could in time be used in pregnancy to cure this condition. Because at the moment, all we have is, is medications that sort of mask the symptoms and help to manage the condition, but don't actually cure it. Because not only is it going to be incredibly difficult for that pregnant person during their pregnancy, it's going to potentially put them off wanting to have another child after because of the experience of having such a shocking pregnancy with this sickness. Yes, you're right. It does affect um, people's ability to go on and have other children. Um, And it can really ravage people's mental health as a result. I mean, you know, if, if you always imagined that you'd have a family of, of two three four children and after one or potentially after none you you realize that you can't go through that again and you can't have another pregnancy um that grief and loss would it's very similar to you know experiencing infertility mm-hmm. and yet there's very little empathy around that so you know that with infertility there's a lot more I think understanding and um um people can imagine how devastating that would be um but when you are limiting your family because of high premises there's much less understanding about that there's this kind of oh but you know you could get pregnant and and you know it's all right afterwards you know it's only nine months and then the bait and then you're fine but it isn't only just nine months um and actually it can cause damage um to the mother's body and so on that can have lifelong consequences and and it can be really i mean it's it's like choosing to have a very very severe life-threatening illness for nine months and when you already have a baby to look after uh, that's a very difficult decision to make can i ask how you know we've talked about how it affects the mother um and it sounds horrendous how can it affect the baby and the progress and growth of the baby because of course, you're maybe not being able to stomach that many nutrients. If you're vomiting every time, you can't keep down water potentially. How how is that going to affect the the progress of the baby's um, development? Yeah, so I don't I don't want to sort of um, scare people, um, mm. but in society at the moment, there's this kind of idea that we shouldn't take medication, um, and you know our pregnancy pregnancies should be all sort of natural and lovely and all this kind of thing. But the reality with this medical condition this complication of pregnancy is that it can have an effect on the developing fetus and malnutrition in the first trimester losing a lot of weight not being able to eat and drink does have consequences for the baby and actually malnutrition in early pregnancy in developing nations is really appreciated as a significant public health problem um, because of the consequences to the baby. So, so you could, you sort of, uh, sort of fundamentally altering the, the baby's genes by, by starving in the first trimester. It, it's, it, it, it 
sort of develops believing it's going to be born into famine and therefore it's at greater risk of cardiometabolic disorders later in life such as diabetes and heart disease um, when it reaches sort of adulthood um, but even more short term than that it, it does increase the risk of autistic spectrum disorders and um, neurodevelopment um, of, of the baby and the reason I point that out is not to try and scare women but it's to highlight that the on balance the medications that we have to try and control it so that you can eat and drink and not be starving and get nutrients yeah. into your body the benefits of them massively outweigh the risks um because the medications we use are from masses and masses of studies are not found to cause problems for the baby but when you're told by a doctor oh but it's fine to be starving the baby gets what it needs from your reserves that's not true so when you look at the 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 risks of being starving versus the sort of hypothetical but not found in medical research risks of medication, women should be very reassured that, that, that the best thing they could do for their baby is to take the medication. So what does the medication look like? What does it um, involve? How many how many pills are we talking about? It, yeah, it, it really varies person to person. So some people are going to be able to, um, there's sort of the 30 to 35% I mentioned that have like clinically significant symptoms um, might need time off work, for example, it's reasonable for them to, to need to take some medication to manage symptoms. There's actually a licensed medication in this country, although it's very difficult to get from your GP because a lot of areas don't have it um, that available. It's called Zombia. Um, it's been used in other countries for, for decades, but it's quite recent to the UK. But there's sort of first line um, antihistamine and tablets that are, are anti-sickness. So they're used commonly for things like travel sickness and so on, cyclozine and avamine and things like that. And then for, for people that that doesn't help, they might need to move on to a higher level of sort of medication like ondansetron or metoclopramide, which are a bit more effective, but they can have slightly more unpleasant side effects. So ondansetron, for example, can cause really unpleasant constipation and headaches, which is why we wouldn't give it first kind of thing. Um, and then ultimately, you might be on a combination of medications and end up needing steroids to, to control the symptoms. In very rare cases, um, a termination will be needed to save the mother's life, but that's very rare. Um, but sadly, a lot of women do end up terminating their wanted babies because access to treatment and, and proper treatment is not always very forthcoming, unfortunately. But for people that are listening to this and who have who think they've got HG, there are medications they can use. Absolutely. And it seems like it's becoming a bigger conversation that people are starting to take more seriously than just, you know, morning sickness. So can I just ask, you know, so if people are really struggling with what they can eat, you know, maybe that they can only stomach white yeah. toast and that's it. Regarding the nutrition for the baby, you know, how much do you need to get in to your system to feed a baby? Is it is it less than we actually think that, you know, when we're like, feed the baby, you're eating for two. You know, if you are in this situation where you have HG, you know, how, how much can you survive on if if your 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 kind of palate and your, your food is limited? Do you know what? It's really depressing, but we actually don't know. There is not that, no one has ever done that medical oh, research. Really? Um, and actually, we, we in the last couple of years, the research community for high premises um, 
did a project where we set like the priority questions that need to be answered by medical research. And that's one of the top priority questions is how much is enough and and how do we get those nutrients into someone who has a vomiting condition? Um, because, you know, sometimes they try things like a, a tube that goes up your nose and into your stomach. But obviously, women it's not very well tolerated because they throw the tube up so you know there's there's it's really difficult and one thing I would say to to women is as as guilty as we feel if all we're surviving on is like you say white bread and ready salted crisps and McDonald's fries those kind of bland carbohydrates are a bit salty a Mm. calorie when it's broken down by the body a calorie is a calorie and it doesn't actually matter Mm where you fundamentally get it from we you also obviously need vitamins and and minerals which are not necessarily in those Mm. things um but if you are able to you know if 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 nibbling on a a bit of white bread um, or toast over half an hour quells the nausea enough so that you can swallow your multivitamin then that's probably better than trying to 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 manage fruit and vegetables and throwing it back up so ultimately a calorie is a calorie and so and you can also you can sort of add calories to food so for example if you are managing to eat jelly for example you can make it with milk and you can add extra milk powder or you can get your husband or partner or whoever to um, add extra milk powder to it and you're actually adding calories to it um you know use more butter on your toast than you perhaps would because it's all calories at the end of the day um, and then if you're able to take vitamin tablets, then, then great. But if you're at that point, really, you know, it's it's reasonable to ask for medication um, that helps you to be able to eat more normally than that. We've been talking about some really serious, quite frightening stuff here. We are going to speak to my friend after this, who's had two pregnancies, I think, with HG. Both babies are totally fine. Yes, absolutely. She's like, you know, and yeah. like, so I think that like, it, it's really important to get this information, but equally, you know, yeah. it's, I'm sure you can, you you, you must deal with uh, pregnant people calling your yeah. helpline every day and you having to reassure them a lot of the time, right? That it's going to yeah. be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I, ha- I had high premises myself three times and my, my babies are all absolutely fine. Um, so is this, yeah, I wanted to ask you, I was presuming you are the chair of the pregnancy sickness support. So, you know, what was, what was st- some of the stuff that you could stomach? Yeah. Things like ready salted crisps, um, uh, um, a toast uh, with a bit of ham uh, on if you can add a bit of protein that can be useful um cheese or ham or whatever um but yeah it's it's literally whatever you can but I mean I in hindsight I was eating almost nothing I mean my my middle child I, I went nearly three months with barely a morsel of food passing my lips and you know he he is fine he, he's he has had issues with his teeth because it's possible that the enamel wasn't laid down properly when he was a, a, but but I mean you know in the scheme of things it really doesn't matter he's a he's a bright bright young thing and hold on, you've had three children I have had three children I did have a lot of support and I think it's very important to to point out that you know um cases like um the Duchess of Cambridge and uh, admittedly my own um is not representative of the average woman in Britain who doesn't have childcare on tap whose job is at risk if they don't turn up although pregnancy is a protected thing and you shouldn't lose your job from pregnancy sickness but in reality it happens all the time um and you know most women actually it's a real struggle so asking for help from family and friends is really important um 
I was at, you know, my husband was able to be really flexible with work. We had childcare for my third pregnancy. We had a nanny, for goodness sake. I mean, most women don't have that. So, you know, planning it if you if you want another pregnancy is quite a good uh, strategy. But yeah, I do want to reassure like mo- most of the babies born are absolutely fine. It's just that it's important not to just sort of dismiss it uh, as a sort of fluffy yeah. thing um, because it is bad. Uh- I wanted to, we've, we haven't really talk, touched on work, but you know, that that's been a lot from what I gather has been a discussion about, yeah, work support at work. If you are suffering from HG, is there any um, key points that you can tell our listeners of how they should approach their workplace with how they can ask for support, what they are entitled to? Yeah. So like I say, pregnancy is a protected sort of characteristic and therefore um, if you are needing time off for a pregnancy related condition, which this is, then that has to be documented separately to um, general sickness and you can't be um, punished or penalised. That said, there are big problems with the process for pursuing that because your window of opportunity to go after an employer who has uh, wrongly sacked you for a pregnancy-related condition is with high premises when you're ill and then you have a newborn baby and then, <laughs> and then after that you've lost your chance. So Pregnancy Sickness Support Helpline does have information about um, how to approach your boss. It's got information for employers and so on. But also there's another charity, Maternity Action, which offers very specific employment um, help and support if you'll be if you feel like you're being discriminated against um, and it is completely reasonable to need to take time off work you know if, if if resting on the sofa means that you're able to eat and drink that's more important than dragging yourself into work and being very very ill as a, a result but I also think you know things have changed since having COVID has occurred people are working at home more and people are seeing that it's still productive and so therefore yeah. hopefully so it would be reasonable to ask to, for flexible time and to, to have days at home and, and so on like that it's that's completely reasonable and um and should be done yeah absolutely um well how can HG affects someone's mental health? From what we've described of this kind of all day nausea um, and repeated vomiting, and for a lot of women, it's the nausea that is more torturous than the actual vomiting. Um, I think, you know, most of us have been ill for a day or so. And when you're in that, imagine that for weeks and weeks and potentially months and months. And And at the same time, you're being told that you should be grateful that you can get pregnant, that it's for a good reason, that you should just think positively. Just don't think about being sick and you won't be sick. All this kind of complete nonsense. Try ginger, all this stuff. So so not only are you extremely ill at a time of your life where you are expecting to be happy, healthy, doing pregnancy yoga, eating organic, all this kind of stuff, shopping for the baby, and actually you find yourself bed bound with horrific symptoms not just the nausea and vomiting the heightened warped sense of smell it's like the opposite of the loss of smell for covid um uh excessive salivation by the second trimester you might find that you wet yourself when you throw up because of the relaxing um you know all these horrible symptoms and so you find yourself housebound and isolated and none of your family and friends really understand it and when you go to your doctor and ask for help you're told, oh, well, you know, it's just morning sick. You just, you just need to get on with it. It's normal. And that can have such a devastating impact on, on your mental health. 
it can be completely devastating. So it's 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 reasonable to become depressed whilst suffering with high premises. Are there ways you can access support? So is through your charity, perhaps, um, are you able to find yeah. counsellors for people or therapists? Is that something that is is allowed on the, um, or is encouraged by the NHS? Not particularly on the NHS. So we are currently, um, we've recently been fundraising um, in order to set up an in-house counselling service at Pregnancy Sickness Support. At the moment, we have a peer support network. So we've got over 550 volunteers up and down the UK um, who have all been through the condition themselves and they can offer a one-to-one peer support friendship to people who are, are suffering which really helps to reduce the isolation and that sort of mental burden and they can offer mm. sort of self-help techniques and um, information about what medications are available what services are in your area and so on um, it's not you know it doesn't replace talk, actual talking therapies but it certainly has a, a, a big improve, a improvement on reducing that sort of isolation and, and misery. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, we're hoping to set up it within the next few months an actual counselling service um, that we can um, refer women to. Particularly, a lot of women find they need counselling afterwards to recover. They may have symptom of, symptoms of PTSD from, from the experience. Mm. Um, and, and after the pregnancy, they then try and make sense of, of what they've been through. And they may not feel like they fit in with mother and baby groups and, and that kind of thing because their experience was so different to, to other women's. And so we're hoping to be able to offer that. But it's a, a case of fundraising. We're, we seem like a big charity, but we're really very, very small. Well, everyone can go yeah. and donate something, <laughs> maybe. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put your uh, links uh, in the show notes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, I wanted to know, uh, on a personal level, you've had three pregnancies, all with HG? I did have HG in all of them, yeah, yeah. Did it differ on different pregnancies, the level of HG, or were they all quite similar? Yeah, so my... Second one was the worst. The first two were the worst. I was at sick between them probably over 2000 times. Um, my second one was the worst. 
I I think I had in my first I didn't get given that many medications I I, I had some but I didn't know that, that much about them and then before my next one I did lots of reading up and um and I thought okay I'm going to try this drug on Danzatron and then I'll have a normal pregnancy and actually it really barely touched the sides for me Absolutely. and that that sort of renewed sense of loss I, I kidded myself that it was going to be different um and that was by far my worst pregnancy um I lost a lot of weight by the time I gave birth I was lighter than I had been at the, at the start of the pregnancy and then with my third we we literally planned it like a military operation <laughs> and like I say I got we got had a full-time nanny and um I wasn't where I wasn't working at the time um before that I'd been a, a practice nurse and it was a lot better. Um, I did have a better care plan with a, a new GP who, who I think treated me better. And we kind of used the medications to sort of manage it better. Um, she was a, a little girl, whereas my first two were boys. Potentially there is um, sort of connections with that. It's more common in, in female pregnancies. But I mean, you know, you don't have any control over that. So it, it's sort of neither here nor there. But hers was better. I was still ill all the way through, but like I made it downstairs every single day. I didn't lose as much weight. I managed to eat something every day. Um, and I probably throughout the whole pregnancy, although I had nausea the whole way through, I was probably only sick maybe 50 times through the whole pregnancy. So it was a lot more manageable. And I think that was to do with kind of planning and support um, and things like that. And by then I'd set up through the charity, the support network. So I had... I was in contact with other women who knew mm. what I was going through and that helped massively. Um, whereas my first one, I mean, in those days, Facebook was only just starting and I didn't even have a smartphone. So it was very isolating. So yeah, how how long ago was your first pregnancy? Oh, my um, eldest was 14 last weekend. Oh, so, so <laughs> in the last 14 years, there's probably, and through, you know, your brilliant charity, there's been far more research and attention being given to it probably not yeah. enough still but it is getting easier to deal to deal with and manage it is definitely and um yeah there's a lot more awareness of it now which which is in part thanks to the Duchess of Cambridge's um experience um and the fact that we as a charity were able to kind of grab that publicity and and run with it and raise awareness services have improved um in my in my words there was no such thing as an, an hg day unit uh, whereas now a lot of hospitals you can go in in the morning get rehydrated and get home again in the evening and yeah that wasn't even an option um 14 15 years ago so when you say you can go into the hospital and get hydrated now how does that work out and is it able for anybody that's living in the uk yeah, so so sadly no, <laughs> um, it's it's a bit hit and miss in different areas of the country. Um, so a lot of hospitals now, either in their gy gynecology unit or their early pregnancy unit, um, they might have a system where whereby the, your GP can can refer you in, and then once you've been in once, you might be able to phone up and get back in more easily without having to go through your GP. Um, where you'd go in, you'd have a, a needle put in your arm and. Um, fluid given to so drip. sort of intra yeah drip um and then um and then you could go home again and if you need to come back the next day and so on which obviously with small children at home makes the whole thing a lot more manageable but it is hit and miss it's definitely not available everywhere and how you get into your particular local service um varies from area to area um but if you call our charity helpline we we kind of 
keep try and keep a track of of how they all operate in the different areas of the country so we would take your postcode look at what's available near to you and what the best route in um for you is um so so the helpline can kind of advise on that um but it does vary unfortunately when approaching how to rehydrate if you're not if you're able to keep down fluids say but you know you have to be quite careful like when we have sickness bugs um or when our kids have you know tummy bugs have you got some tips about how to kind of keep hydrated at home is it using a syringe to slowly put maybe is it dioralite or could squash work so dioralite's a good one um because it is more hydrating than regular water um you have to make it up in the right amount and if you're going to add squash to it or something then it needs to not be the sugar um like sugar free because then you get the right balance of the salt and the sugar and it it hydrates you more than regular water does um but also things like ice lollies um ice cubes um drinking through a straw because a lot of um women find that the smell of things is really problematic even things that normally would smell nice smell really horrible even tap water could smell revolting when you're pregnant so so you, you might find it easier to drink through a straw so that you're not smelling it as much um alternating between very very hot drinks and very very cold drinks um by making things very cold you again reduce that smell um drinking sort of whatever takes your fancy um obviously not too much of things like caffeine um or or wine but you're not going to feel like drinking that (laughs) but um yeah just trying to keep on top of it like that really and with the eating there's a lot of people hear this um thing about eating little and often um and <laughs> it's very frustrating when i hear um healthcare professionals or i even read recently in a in a research paper that they, they were giving this advice so that women didn't have really full stomachs and i was like oh that's not what that advice is about it's so they don't have an empty stomach there's no women with this condition who are pigging out on big meals and then throwing them up <laughs> they wish i know but there is that advice is sound Um, it is good to eat little and often and by that I mean nibbling almost continuously on biscuits and toast and stuff like that so that your stomach doesn't get empty because when it's empty it can make the nausea a lot worse and quite honestly it's nicer to throw something up than to throw nothing and acid up um because the acid is really very unpleasant for your throat and your teeth. And if you also, you shouldn't brush your teeth immediately after throwing up. You can rinse with a bit of water, maybe with a, some mild mouthwash, but you need to wait half an hour or so before brushing your teeth because otherwise you can end up doing an awful lot of damage to your enamel um, oh, over, really? over a kind of nine month period. Um, so that that's a kind of top tip. Um, again, on our website, there's tips about eating and drinking and um, oral hygiene. A lot of women find brushing their teeth very difficult anyway because the actual brushing makes them gagging. Sick, yeah. So, oh man, I mean, <laughs> thank you so much for all these tips. And yes, go to the pregnancy sickness support um, charities uh, home. We'll put it in the show notes. You can go and get the tips there. Maybe you want to sp- call the helpline um, and you can speak to a peer. You can speak to support groups. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you. 
thank you to Caitlin Dean there, who is fighting the good fight for people that are experiencing hyperemesis gravidarum. Next up, we're going to speak to my friend uh, Purdy Neural, who is the beauty editor of Women's Health, but she's also a really brilliant, fun, amazing woman who has suffered with HG in both her pregnancies. So I thought it was only right to speak to her about her experience of living with this extreme pregnancy sickness. Purdy, thank you for joining us on Is It Normal? Thank you for telling us your story. Can we start from the first pregnancy? Did you get HG with your first pregnancy? I did. And I just want to say thank you for having me. And I think it's so, so brilliant you're talking about this because it is literally the most debilitating condition. um, And I felt really alone. So I think, you know, by talking about it, it's just, yeah, it's brilliant for everyone. So I literally got it from my my first pregnancy and it didn't start right away. It was around the kind of six week mark. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, God, I feel horrific. Like, you know, sort of like a hangover, but with zero fun story like behind it because <laughs> I hadn't been out. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And this was 2017. And this was back when um, GPs were still kind of in charge of um, your, your first pregnancy. So I went to my appointment and I'd been like being being sick so much it just sort of it was like a switch it happened one day and I remember in the space of an hour and a half I'd been sick 20 times (gasps) and I was like okay I I know that morning sickness is a thing and you're meant to feel rough but this just isn't normal and so I had my first GP appointment and I sort of walked in and she looked at me and she was like, oh, you don't look great. And I was like, I am vomiting nonstop. Like I could barely get myself here. And she was like, OK, it's like I need you to do a urine sample, you know, the classic. And I was like, OK. Mm. And and I think I got about three drops out and it was like. Because oh, you were so dehydrated, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. And she was like, yeah, it sounds like you've got hyperemesis. And I remember thinking when she said the when, when she said the full condition, I was like, one, that just sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Like this can't be a thing. And two, like it kind of rings a bell. And I think this is what most people say. Oh, isn't that what Kate Middleton had? <laughs> yeah. um, she's like everyone's reference point. And I was like, okay. And she was like, you're really not looking good. If I can't get, if you can't manage to keep any fluids down, I'm just, we're going to have to admit you to hospital to basically get you on a drip. And I think that just kind of terrified me a little bit. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to try and like get a handle on this. Um, And I just kind of went home and it was a lot of ice cubes and a lot of ice lollies. And that was it. And it just became relentless. It was like day after day after day. And also it was really difficult because I was freelancing at the time. So it wasn't like I had an employee and I had all these contracts booked in. So I'd be working a few days at Grazia, a few days at Stylist. Um, and And I just felt like I didn't have, not the bravery to say like, I've got this condition, but like, I didn't want to bother anyone. And I think like that's so indicative of like women as a whole, isn't it? It's like, we never want to really be a problem. And it was just awful. So I remember like really trying to like keep a lid on it and focus on the positives. You know, people would be like, oh, well, it, you know, it might stop after like 12 weeks and it would get to 12 weeks and it was like, nope, still the same. And then it would get to like 16 weeks and it was like, nope, still the same. And then I was like, come on, I'm reaching the 20 week mark. This has to stop. And I'd lost like two and a half stone at this point. Oh my um, and yeah, it was just awful. But then you'd have days where where I kind of felt not too bad or I could manage to have like a bit of toast down and I would have to get up 
like a little bit earlier because I knew my journey like my my tube journey or whatever I was going to have to get off at certain points and to like to throw up have a tactile puke yeah um goodness and it was just and looking back I can't believe how like how much I kind of persevered I think I had this kind of real stubbornness that you know like this pregnancy and like motherhood like wasn't going to change who I was I was kind Mm. of really terrified of like losing myself Mm. but yeah it was insane um and just not really telling anyone I think kind of feeling really alone was the main thing how how did it affect you and your partner who is a wonderful partner we love Eugene big huge but like how did it affect your relationship together because you know, they know they have to kind of uh, stand up when you are pregnant, you know, fetch you a glass of water, give you a foot rub. But this, you know, how how did it affect you two? Yeah, 100%. And like, bless him, as you know, he is like just a stand up gent and was so supportive. But even even he was like, at some points, oh, all right, this is getting a bit long now. Like, <laughs> He's like, hurry this. this yeah, he was just like, when is this going to end? And I think because we did have like these little moments of like half a day on like a Saturday or whatever, I'd be able to like muster a tiny little dog walk. It kind of felt like, oh, okay, maybe this is going. And then the next morning, it would be horrendous. Um, so it was really, really tricky and even more so in my second pregnancy, because I think I was naive in the fact that I thought I had this tiny bit of hope, like, oh, maybe I just won't get it the second time. And, um, and even my dad, bless him, he's retired now, but as a consultant was like, you know, statistically, like not every woman get it every pregnancy. And I think I was clinging on to that. And then bam, when it hit me the second time, I was like, I can't believe I'm here again. And it was much more tricky the second time around because he had to just look after our first child the whole time Mm. and I think that was was really really tricky I felt like I was letting him down because he was doing everything um and it just it was just no fun like it was awful and I think he found me really you know if I'm being really honest like really moody and really depressive and like his usual gags and laughs weren't working and like yeah it was was a strain so for your second pregnancy, you thought you weren't going to get it. We've just spoken to Dr. Caitlin Dean, who's the chair of this charity called Pregnancy Sickness Support. I don't know if you knew about it. No, I didn't. So, so they are this charity that have a helpline and they specialise in extreme pregnancy sickness and they have people, peers that you could speak to. Um, and she was saying that there's been some research into it that actually it's a genetic thing. It is. Okay. So... Yeah, so the likelihood of you getting it again was very high, actually, because (laughs) (laughs) tell you that. that. Yeah, I think it left him. I think he was just like, you'll be all right, don't worry about it. (laughs) But it's a genetic thing, which then can get passed down to your my daughter gorgeous girls yeah Yeah. um but but you know but I wanted to know I mean she was telling she was telling me about all these different medications did you access any of the medications were you uh reticent to uh, hesitant to, to to access them yeah so I was to be fair so I think when I first walked into my um GP who she she was brilliant but I think there was always this underlying issue of like as long as the baby's all right like it it's not that I don't think GPs like fail to care about women but it's like I feel like that was always the defining factor well the baby's growing well so as long as that's okay you know kind of you'll get through this um and I was offered an anti-sickness medicines and I did take them like I took them all and I found 
all they did um, in the first instance was stop the action of vomiting but I still felt horrendous so it's it stopped the vomiting enough that I could hold fluids down um and like the odd bit of toast um but that was it and sometimes and it sounds really awful but like there was relief in the vomiting only for like Mm -hmm. five minutes but straight Mm -hmm. afterwards I was like oh like this this rounds out I've got like five minutes before I start to feel like a piece of crap again um so and not only that I think I had like un- aunties and uncles that would pop up and and who would just talk about the thalidomide scandal you know my auntie took that and luckily her son was fine he didn't end up with any deformities but I think that's still really in the back of people's minds because obviously that was prescribed for morning sickness and so people oh, I didn't know that yeah oh, um okay. and so a lot of people were like don't take anything don't take anything like you don't harm your baby and I'm just like well I'm pretty sure it's safe like it's being prescribed yada 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 and it was just like everyone had an opinion and I think that did always niggle away in the back of my mind like oh god you know am I in the like this like tiny percentage of where like it could damage me or my baby but oh. yeah I didn't have the headspace to kind of like do any research or really just to ask the right questions I don't think you have two healthy gorgeous girls yeah, they're, yeah um you went you went back for more um, I did. Did it? Did it? Was it quite a di- a, a difficult decision? Were you tempted to not even get pregnant again because of the experience? Yeah, absolutely. Like I kind of knew in the back of my head, I was like, oh, of course it's going to come back, you know. Um, but and actually, I had some really dark days with my second one where I thought, and this sounds so awful, but I would have mornings and lying on the bathroom floor thinking, oh. I've still struggled to say the words like oh like would it be so bad if I even had a miscarriage and it's that's awful to think that and and then you'd be like oh my god don't say ridiculous like you know you're so lucky to even get pregnant so easily and just all and it's like a constant it's almost like you're gaslighting yourself like Mm. you're trying to talk yourself out of it but you just feel horrendous and in my second pregnancy as well I remember um my mother-in-law who's like really fantastic she sent me this study um that had been co-authored by um the BBC and um King College and it was like the first ever like the biggest study they've ever done on um HG and I couldn't get over the findings it was like so many women thought uh, had had terminations because they couldn't cope had thought about having terminations felt um like 50 percent you know said they felt like it really affected their mental health they had suicidal thoughts and like they'd asked one lady to keep a video diary and I just watched her video diary and I just ended up sobbing because I was like that is me and she was going through everything that I'd been through um and I just couldn't believe like it taken till like you know 2020 for this study to even be thought about really which I think is just like indicative of like you know the gender health gap as a whole like oh, it's just a women's issue, you know, don't worry too much about it. And that's not to say that there aren't loads of amazing um, people that do care about this condition. But I just think, yeah, it's like, I think it's like a lot of conditions that women go through. Um, There's very little research, there's very little funding. And I think the tricky one about this condition is that it's not chronic, like it ends the moment the baby comes out. So it's a bit like, I feel like this kind there's this kind of attitude of like oh well it ends it ends eventually um and I remember with both pregnancies the moment and like my births were really easy um, and I had like um water births and but the moment of certainly when I had Vivian um 
you know like crying and everyone's like are you so happy and I just thought yeah but like the main thing that I'm happy about is like oh my god I don't feel sick <laughs> um and like coming home and just being back on the sofa and like being just like having jokes in like a whatsapp group with my girls and literally Eugene looking at me and he was like oh my god I've got my wife back like I haven't heard you cackle like that in you know a good 10 months so yeah it's just it's really it's not a fun condition I just can't even imagine how horrendous this is like you know pregnancy's hard enough as it is exactly I think it's exactly that isn't it like it's so yeah tricky so just this to to add all, all of that and it's, it just feels so relentless um and so to anyone suffering like I really feel for you and you know don't do what I did in the first instance and just kind of rely on your inner circle like yeah um I, I think if I'd had known about those helplines I definitely would have rang them um because yeah you just feel re it's really isolating I think and it's just yeah it's relentless and it's bleak and the thing that really helped you a second time around I was just so honest about how crap I felt um and that was even just that like weight off my shoulder was felt good I'm, I'm hoping that it's being taken more seriously now but during my first pregnancy I really didn't feel, feel like it was. Purdy thank you so much for talking to us I think it's really helpful oh, to, no, to have your experience um, and I'm sure other people that are listening to this will it will resonate so much with them if they're experiencing any of those symptoms and that kind of I can't the tactile puking for your journey that just is like <laughs> yeah. so horrendous everyone just probably thought you were hung over and you're an absolute well actually you're pregnant so maybe not but um <laughs> but it was more so in the beginning when you're not really showing so I think and I remember coming out of Camden and actually like on a on a Friday morning obviously everyone's had like got the Thursday feeling there's a lot of people puking in Camden on a Friday morning right <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> that's like, the place to be then if you have HG <laughs> yeah so it felt like oh actually I can kind of get away with this there but you know a few people would be like oh rough night and it's actually like <laughs> no no far from it like I wish um oh but yeah just not not fun times um thank you for joining us on is it no, normal thank, thank you for sharing your experience and um thank yeah you. it will help a lot of people Thank you so much to Caitlin and Purdy for helping me understand hyperemesis gravidarum. It sounds absolutely horrendous. Obviously, it's not talked about enough. Um, I can't even imagine how hard it is for people that are experiencing this. I send you all my love and sympathy and um, just hope that this podcast has helped you maybe access a support group or maybe talk about a medication that could maybe help with you in these nine months. You're not alone. There's loads of people that are going through it, even though the percentage sounds very small so many people have messaged us about this um, condition so I want to thank all those people that message us to encourage us to do this episode thank you I've learned so much and um, I hope it helps some of you that are going through this take care and we'll see you soon on is it normal Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com